Welcome to the WeGo Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgieff, class of 2022. Today, I catch up with the class of 2012's Bianca Navejas, marketing project manager at Federal Savings Bank. Bianca will share with us what it was like to compete and lead a Division I soccer team while at Eastern Illinois, and now how she leads marketing teams for one of the largest mortgage banks in the country. Joining us from the class of 2012 is Bianca Navejas. Bianca, what do you do? Hi, how are you? So I'm currently a project manager for the marketing department at the Federal Savings Bank. Um, so do you work in the city or, or is it, do you work remotely or what? Yeah, so um, we're actually on a hybrid schedule. Our headquarters is located in the city. So three days out of the week, I am in office and then two at home. Ah, great. Okay, so Bianca, let's start with what did you do? Where did you go once you left WeGo after graduation? Yeah, so I went to Eastern Illinois University. I went there, you know, the summer going into 2012. Um, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to major yet, so I did take the first semester to try to figure that out. Um, but overall, Eastern Illinois was really helpful with helping me figure that out um, and getting me on the right path. So um, were you also an athlete there? Yes, I was. What was the balance of maybe practice to games and travel and then uh, and then actually you know studying and, and and preparation for your academics is like like that? Yeah, so to be completely honest in the beginning, especially since it's very new, um, it was quite difficult to get accustomed to the new schedule. Um, Coming from a Division One school, too, it was a lot of practices, games, um, a lot of effort and time to put in um, an expectation as well to perform on the field, but as well as in the classroom. Um, but because of that, Eastern did a really great job with providing the athletes uh, resources. So we had our own academic um, advisor specifically for the athletes as well as mandatory study sessions. Um, and then, you know, after the first semester, if you performed well in school, you were able to limit those study hours. Um, but they definitely did prioritize school and gave us the opportunity to, um, you know, talk to the teachers whenever we had game days that might reflect with like a test day. Um, they were definitely there to support us and provide us with all the resources needed. That sounds, I mean, what a, what a great organizational tool for you to be able to not have to worry about that. You know, that just has to have been so, so special to have that uh, available to you. So, um, so uh, where did you play on the field? You played soccer. Yes, I played center mid. Um, from time to time, I would play um, outside mid, but my main position was center mid. Soccer is a, such a, a sport of incredible fascination for so many of our students, uh, obviously, what um what did you what do you miss about soccer? Uh, what what is what was your favorite thing about playing it, and what do you miss? Overall, I do miss you know playing with my teammates. Um, everyone that I've played throughout my life has just been amazing. 
Um, so I miss playing with them as well as just, you know, being able to have fun and freedom to just be as skillful and creative as possible. Um, yeah, overall, I just miss the game. <laughs> yeah. What do you like when you were in preparation as a if moving from high school to college, what was different about the training uh, at the collegiate level, like physically or and then maybe from a strategy standpoint, uh, what was what was the the difference? I think the big difference that I noticed um, was developing our strength wise. So we did a lot more strength training in college than we did in high school um, and club. Um, and a lot of the focus was, you know, making sure because every year so many new players come in, um, we have to adapt quickly to each other's style of play. So um, the main focus there was trying to adapt those skills and try to develop, you know, more additional skills so that we're able to play well together and perform well. Um, so a little bit more conditioning and strength training um, was demanded in the collegiate side than high school and club. What were some of your favorite places to travel uh, when you were playing at Eastern? So that's a great question. There's it's kind of hard to pinpoint um, all of the locations I really enjoyed. Um, you know, some were in Illinois, some our neighboring state in Indiana. Um, we also traveled to um, Tennessee and Alabama. Um, I think my favorite would be Tennessee, just the scenic and the drive there was really pretty. Yeah, it is gorgeous uh, to do that. Does Eastern have a rivalry uh, at, in soccer or collectively, like does the whole school have a rivalry against someone else? It's kind of hard to say. Uh, I think overall there's always a rivalry within the Illinois schools. Yeah. Um, so whenever we would play NIU, Western, you know, that game was pretty intense in a good way. Um, in the conference, I'd say uh, Southern Illinois, um, I think it's in Evansville, yeah. um, SIUE. Um, that was a big uh, rivalry for the girls soccer at the time I was there. So because I, 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 I can never get my mind around this. When you let's say you had a game in Tennessee do they always try to plan that like so that's a, a weekend game so tr they could accommodate travel on a Thursday? Like were they usually pretty mindful of maximizing your time on campus versus you being away and missing classes? How, how did they how, how did they balance that? Yeah. So our games were always Fridays um, at around 3 p.m. or depending on where we were traveling, maybe 7 p.m. And then Sundays um, around 1 p.m. Uh, so travel day would always be on the Thursday. Um, prior to school starting, our um, athletic academic advisor would give us these sheets of papers, um, basically notifying our professors that some of the days we will have to be out. So if we can take a test prior to us leaving after, you know, kind of just working with us, um, that's kind of some of the ways that they would help us out. Um, but the travel day for us would always be Thursdays. So you had mentioned that you took maybe the first semester of your freshman year to kind of get a lay of the land to kind of figure out maybe your comfort level with aptitudes academically of what you wanted to do. How, how did you ultimately settle or begin to kind of find the field that you're in now with your coursework? Yeah, so in high school, actually, I kind of had an idea that I wanted to stick to business. 
Um, so I made sure that my gen eds were around the business courses. Uh, and I tried to do a variety of different ones to see which one I liked best. Um, overall, I landed on marketing. And from there, you know, I was able to talk to uh, my academic advisor and get into the classes that I needed to get into. So in marketing, what was what was some of your earlier coursework like? And then how did it maybe kind of ultimately kind of excite you to the point you're like, yeah, this is what I, me- I was meant to do? Yeah. So I think uh, my principles to marketing class is what really sparked the interest. Um, it just gave you an overview of the whole breakdown of what marketing is all about and all the opportunities Um you know, in the strategic side as well as the digital side. So I was really um, intrigued by that and about all the opportunities that could come with it um, and all the creativity that also comes with marketing um, and being able to be as creative and fun as possible in a business aspect. Could you follow up on that? Because there is a, a creativity in thinking about how you communicate uh, an idea for your clients or who you're working for. How does creativity come out like that? And how did you see it early on in your classes? Yeah, so it really stems from, you know, starting from the basics, um, understanding who your target audience is. Uh, once you get that understanding, you're able to then cater your creativity, the language you want to push out, um, you know, as long as it aligns with the brand language of the company that you're at. Um you know, I think knowing who you're trying to reach is very important and how to best reach them um, can definitely help with the creativity side of it. Yeah, that's a your answer is like the perfect answer I would give to my AP language students about how to maximize the benefit of communication. That's like, which is yeah. you got to put in the work to understand who you're talking yeah. to. Really, there's no, I mean, otherwise you're just shooting in the dark. You have no idea where it's going to land. So yeah. that's so true. So like, what, what are the type of tools that you use or like, or I suppose this might be a later question of what you do in your career. So maybe, but like, how, what were some of the more rudimentary tools that it took to maybe for you, like to, to develop that intuition about knowing who your audience is and what their needs, desires, and fears are to kind of really maximize that that uh, persuasion. Yeah. So, you know, back in school, learning about the pain, fear, and gain points was really helpful in that. Um, and also, uh, we had a research class, uh, marketing research class that really helped with that. Um, you know, it's easy. It's, it could be as easy as doing um, a simple survey to a specific range of people um, and then collecting that data, um, reviewing that, and then, you know, seeing how your language can then be um, created. Um, so a lot of that class work, um, I believe, like the tools that they would give us. Um, and a little bit in grad school, I got to experience and experiment with that a little bit more than I did with undergrad. Um, so that was some of the tools that we used. Well, just that you you piqued my curiosity. It's okay if you don't remember that. But you said it was pain, fear, and gain. What was the, the three things that you said there? Yeah, pain, fear, and gain. Um, so this was a way, a method to help us understand, you know, the pain that the customer might be 
going through at the moment? Uh, what might their fears be? Um, and with our solution that we can provide with, you know, whatever service or product we're trying to push out, how can they gain from this? Um, so kind of breaking it down in those three sections um, has really helped with how our messaging uh, will be distributed and even just displayed. So you started in your coursework. Um, did Were you able to, uh, I know you must have been busy with soccer, but in uh, during the summer months, were, were, did that, did you have time to do any internships that that maybe uh, allowed you to kind of get closer to the career uh, during the, those those months? So my uh, first and second year, I didn't do an internship. Um, I focused on soccer, um, so playing with my club during the summertime. Um, and it wasn't until my junior year when I, I don't know if it's different now, but back then, you know, it was okay to just have one internship. Um, so that was kind of the time where many students were taking their internship was their junior year. Um, so that's when I started to look. Um, and I ended up moving to Michigan for the summer to work at Flag Star Bank. Um, and there I helped on the mortgage side with verifying employment for um, potential borrowers um, and other admin stuff. What, what were some of the responsibilities that you had in your internship? Yeah, so a lot of it was contacting current borrowers. Um, so contacting them and then getting permission to then contact their employer, um, verifying that they work at the employer, um, and then also just verifying different types of information needed uh, to get their mortgage process along the way. So you, so you graduated. Was it a, Were you able to find work straight away upon graduation? Um, so I was lucky in finding employment after. Um, one of my cousins had a connection with someone at Country Financial who was looking for an intern to then hire permanently. Um, so that's where I started off. Um, I started off as another internship uh, and then turned into permanent employment. So um, what did you what did you like about uh, the first job that you had out of college? Yeah, I like that I was able to learn about the insurance side of the business. Um, and the coworkers were really great and helpful. Um, they knew that I wanted to get into marketing. So any opportunity that they saw that I could help with that office um, on the marketing side, they allowed me to help and get into that. So um was really appreciative of that. I, I can imagine that it was very helpful that even though you didn't get into marketing right away, but to kind of see some other angle of the company that you're in really strengthens you all around uh, for that company that you can be a real asset in that way. Did, did Were you able to kind of go into any other departments? You said you started off in insurance and then marketing. Did you, did you see any other capacity in, in, that, uh, in that company? Um, so in that company, I didn't. Um, I actually ended up then leaving about six months in uh, to where I'm currently employed, um, and I joined uh, the Federal Savings Bank's secondary marketing team as a lock desk administrator. Um, and I worked in that department for two years, and then I transitioned over to the marketing department. What was the so? What was the first type of projects that you worked when you made the switch to the to the new to the new job? Yeah, so a lot of the projects with a secondary marketing was um, communicating with the bankers and 
making sure that we were locking the rates that they were sending us with our investors, uh, sometimes having to modify some of the lock requests that they had previously sent over, as well as cancel at times depending on the market. Um, so it was mainly working alongside the bankers and just making sure that their information was submitted correctly so that we could get the borrower's um, mortgage process moving forward. So you, when did you make the decision to go back to grad school? I made the decision around COVID time. Um, I had always wanted to go back to grad school, and I thought this would be the perfect time, um, especially just being home. Um, you know, I thought I had the capacity and time to right after work, focus on school. All the classes were online, so it was very accommodating. Um, so I, yeah, during COVID time was when the idea sparked again. Now, you said that you, did you have to go downtown at all for DePaul or was it, it was entirely online? Um, the first year was entirely online. Uh, and then once it was safe to go back into um, class in person, um, I did go to the downtown campus a few times. So what were some of the like the projects that you said you had like a capstone uh, project uh, for that and you, that you were able to kind of use some cool uh, research tools, I think if I remember correctly. Uh, what was that project all about? Yeah, so I took different courses. Uh, you know, one was for digital marketing. We were able to utilize um, SEMrush, which is an SEO tool, um, really great for websites um, and being able to um, you know, for any Google ads, trying to see what keywords are hot right now, trying to figure out bids you might want to do. Um, so utilizing that tool as one of the projects, um, we had these modules that we had to complete. Um, and it was just different projects getting thrown at us and seeing if we could, you know, select the correct keywords, um, develop the right website to then get a good amount of reach. Um, so that was a really helpful project. I really enjoyed. Um, for my research classes, um, we had to do a conceptual analysis. Um, and that one was pretty tough because I would say um, in the past, I wasn't too confident with my analytical skills. But after taking this class and the way DePaul provided all the resources, um, definitely helped build my skill set in that section. Um, there, it was actually a group project, so I got to work with some of my fellow students. Uh, we conducted a huge survey, collected that data, and then placed it on a presentation uh, with our recommendations. Um, one of the key recommendation tools that we, or I would say maybe methods that we um, decided to go with was storytelling. So storytelling are recommendation to the class and um, they're able to then see, you know, how we started, where we got to the point um, and get a full scope of what we were trying to accomplish there. So you said you were using SEMrush as a search engine optimizing. Uh, like, was that real? Was it data from real people that, you, that was uh, coming back to you or was it simulated data? Yeah, it was real data. Um, there, SEMrush has a, um, I believe, a package for students. So it was only active for a few weeks. 
Um, but we were able to see the real data come in. What was the reach? And then how did you put it in front of people? And how did you then know that they would actually engage it? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I totally forgot to say what the project was. Um, so our project was um, to utilize streaming services. So Netflix, Apple TV, Hulu. Um, our client at the time was Apple TV. So our goal um, was to see how we could put them into a place where customers um, see them as someone who is affordable but also dependable. Um, so how we started was through Qualtrics. We developed a survey, um, and we had to be really careful with the questions we were asking. Um, you know, you ask the wrong question, then you're not getting the right data that you need. Um, so we used that. Once we received the published link, we then shared it to family, friends, and then we also shared it on our social media platforms, uh, specifically LinkedIn, to try to get uh, more of a broader reach. You So then you take that back to your, your work. So what's a typical day like uh, for you at, at the bank? Yeah, so I do project management for the marketing team. So a lot of our daily tasks, um, specifically for me, is receiving the banker requests um, that maybe come in that day. Um, a lot of them are just daily tasks. Some are for long-term projects. Um, so my job is to understand their ask, determine the scope of the project, and then input it into our project management system. Um, so that way I can easily delegate to the rest of the team. Um, what their tasks are. Um, and then from there, I'm able to monitor the life cycle of the project and make sure things are moving along um, so that we hit and meet the deadlines. So Federal Savings Bank, do they have a particular niche within business? Do they specialize in a particular uh, area of banking? Like is it investment or is it um, real estate? Is there, is there a particular or is it? Yeah, no, we focus on mortgages. You, you've been working there for seven years yeah. and uh, I was wondering like uh, have have there been any like really cool innovations with technology, different software? I imagine like we hear so much about artificial intelligence kind of maximizing certain communications. how how have things maybe become moving quicker because of certain technology advancements in your field? Yeah, um, so a lot of the technology that we've really revamped, um, and we've actually, I think it was a year or two ago, uh, we did a major rebrand. So a lot of the rebrand um, included upping our technology um, from the marketing standpoint, but also throughout the whole company. Um, so we've gotten a lot of really great technology added um, to the company and the ability to revamp our customer um, relationship management system, the CRM, has been really great and helpful to not just us, but also the sales teams. Um, we go through a CRM system called Total Expert, and they're catered to meet more of the mortgage needs. Uh, and their um, tools and services uh, really help out with the banker sales um, side of things as well. Oh, wow. So I, I, I just... That's um, how, how frequently do you think that you have to 
like learn a new software? I mean, like what, what's the life cycle of some of these systems that you that you've been working with? I can't really say an exact number, um, but I just know it's very frequent and very fun. Yeah. Is there any travel involved with your work? Uh, for me, there isn't. Um, some of the bankers and leadership positions there is, uh, but for marketing, we're based in Chicago and we typically stay in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that. That would be pretty fun if you had to, to move around a little yeah. bit. How directly do you work with a client if they if they come in are you working with the actual customer are you working through maybe your sales people or the people that work in that uh, other kind of department like how how direct do, does you does your communication go to the actual uh prospective customer or client that's a great question um so us in marketing we don't directly speak to the customer um, like via phone, email. Uh, but I do see it as we directly speak to them through our marketing material. Uh, a lot of the more personable conversations are through the sales teams. Um, so we don't really talk to them face to face, but um, I still see it as with our marketing material, you know, our flyers, advertisements. Um, we kind of directly speak to them in that way. You know, you, you, we're talking about your grad school program about storytelling being a very powerful tool of persuasion. I was wondering, what are some of the other uh, things that you've picked up on in your years working there, which is like, wow, when we do this, it really does work. Like, what are some of the other, uh, obviously, you know, not trade secrets here, but like, like, like yeah. where you've seen something like where you, where you just know that when you do this, it's probably going to get the actual effect that you're looking for and consequence. Yeah. Um, so from a short-term perspective, uh, we're able to really see this whenever we post something on social media, uh, especially if it's something pertaining to um, a culture campaign that we might have pushed out, um, something very up-to-date with the market. Um, you know, if we were maybe one of the first ones to push it out to social me media um, compared to our competitors. Um, so that's one way. Um, and then another way is really through the testimonials. Mm. Uh, I'd say through testi customer testimonials and even from the sales team, hearing their feedback um, is a great way to learn that as well. Yeah, it's amazing how powerful testimonials are. Where you like, if you, yeah. if you believe the person, you know, I, I always use that example with my students. Like, you'll never see a movie at the theater if your friend dumps on it and doesn't like it. It's like, yep. it's, it's just not gonna happen. So it's it's if it works there, you better believe it works somewhere else. So so, um, where do you see yourself maybe in five, ten years? Yeah, that's a great question, um, and something that I definitely think about every day. Um, I think in five to 10 years, I see myself in a more leadership position. Um, I definitely would love to be in a director of marketing operations role. Um, and then eventually, you know, maybe 10 years in a chief marketing officer position. So this is going to be a weird question, but I, I think we might be able to thread the needle on this, which is you played soccer at such an elite level for so many years is there any crossover in the way in which you see the field or played the game that somehow was a habit 
mindset philosophy that kind of carries through with like the way in which you have conducted yourself in your career? Definitely. Um, I 100% um, give credit to soccer um, for where I'm at today, how I am in my career, um, everything that I've learned from even when I first started, um, you know, learning to be a team player, to be organized, discipline. Um, and with soccer, you know, you also get to learn creativity um, in a creative way. So um, there's definitely crossovers and um, it's great to see it in real time as well. And being able to take a step back and be like, oh, I'm I might have, you know, handled this situation at work because of soccer. And I'm so grateful and thankful for that. So you're not in grad school anymore, but you still have to kind of be current with certain trends and and all that. What are the ways in which as a professional you keep sharp? Like, do you like list? Do you like what do you read? Uh, do you listen to the specific podcasts or do you? subscribe to various different newsletters, read magazines? What, what, how do you stay current within your field? Yeah. So a lot of it is through LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn does a great job with pushing a lot of material out um, that might pertain to your career path or your title. Um, I also follow Marketing Week um, and different other newsletters that I think are helpful um, from a podcast standpoint, I really like listening to how I built this. Um, so it's not specifically marketing, but it's really great to hear um, stories from CEOs, founders, um, how they started and maybe the struggles that they went to, through. Um, you know, it kind of just reminds you to just keep going, even though right now it might be hard. Um, and yeah, so those are really the main things. Also social media, I'm seeing things on TikTok, Instagram, and then, you know, doing your own research on the side just to make sure it's all accurate. Um, but just really staying in tune with those platforms. Bianca, this has been so, uh, so great. And uh, thank you for your time today. And I was wondering if you could leave us with some tips for success for current Wildcats, what would you tell them? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, as cliche might sound, um, if you have a dream, um, believe that it can come true um, and do anything in your power to, you know, make it happen. You know, if you work hard, stay positive, um, anything can really happen. Um, and it, be kind to people as well is very is very important for um, succeeding. Um, and overall, just trying to have a positive attitude uh, whenever times are hard. I know it's hard, but um, definitely great skill and um, great way to get you through things. I love that. Networking and, and kindness are incredibly strong bonds to have for sure. So, well, Bianca, thank you so much and uh, best of luck. And thank you for uh, sharing your time with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Do us a favor and spread the word about We Go Places by sharing our interviews with other Wildcats on social media. If you want to search past episodes or stay current, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere where you get your podcasts. Just search We Go Places. And you can also follow We Go Places on Facebook 
and Twitter at WeGoPlacesPodcast. If you know of a former Wildcat who would be a great guest, send me a direct message on Facebook, Twitter, or even at school email at brianturnbaugh at d94.org.